Welcome to the Beyond Beauty Podcast, a platform to highlight the beauty's industry talent, deconstruct their learnings, and spark ideas for your own business. The Beyond Beauty Podcast is created by Dilly, the leading creative agency working with the fastest growing brands in the industry. Here, we'll interview guests from major beauty corporations, creative directors, influencers, and founders, and even risk-taking entrepreneurs. Our guests are not only changing the traditional beauty landscape, they're also innovating in e-commerce, branding, and digital marketing. Join us as they share valuable advice, how they launch their business, and most importantly, ignite thought-provoking conversations across beauty, tech, and marketing. So we've got here today Angela Kalia with us, a master statistician for 28 years and the creator and co-founder of Angela Kalia Skincare, who is redefining the concept of green beauty with non-toxic, plant-powered formulas that are luxurious and effective. With a lot of A-list celebrities clients, uh, such as Barbara Streisand, Helena Christensen, Camilla Marone, or even Sting, and Morris Proof, Angela is leading the way for a new era of clinically proven better aging skincare that works intuitively with your skin's health, not against it. Um, so we're super excited to have you today. Uh, this is actually a topic that we've talked a lot about, clinically proven skincare, especially as people are looking for more options that are credible and they're looking for the credibility points. So Angela, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your story, how the brand started, where you are today, and give us a little bit of the background. Great. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, we talk about clinically proven and I just, I think of, I've been an esthetician for almost 30 years and what's unique about this viewpoint and kind of the white space, why I started the brand was I just saw all of the marketing in so many skincare products and I saw my clients overwhelmed and I physically saw under the magnifying diopter lens skin that was extremely sensitized by products they thought they were supposed to be using and what they were sold. And just having the perspective of knowing these, mainly women, I work on men as well, obviously Sting, but I, I just wanted to deliver them better results. And I felt a lot of them were wasting their money and kind of chasing after things that, that weren't even really attainable. It was just marketing speak. And I found that a lot of the ingredients in a lot of the skincare products out there were very sensitizing. They weren't even skincare. So that propelled me to launch a skincare line. It really was my clients. That's really the impetus for starting the skincare line, wanting to create something better. And that was seven years ago was when I launched exclusively at Violet Gray here in, uh, at Melrose Place in Los Angeles. It's incredible. Look, this is a really interesting topic from the point of view of people don't know what they're consuming, right? You can create a product today. You can put almost anything you want in there. You can release yeah. that product to the public with very little scrutiny, whether not just skincare, but also foods and you know, packaged foods and other products that we put in our bodies. And as you yeah. probably know, the skin is the largest organ we have. So whatever you're putting on that, you're absorbing into your body. Yes. And the EU, they banned, I think, 1,500 ingredients. We banned 15. There's so many ingredients. And not that the, I, I don't buy into the whole fear mongering that the box of clean beauty and things are bad if they're dirty. That is confusing to the customer. And that is so subjective. What I focus on as an esthetician is ingredients that actually our skincare that, that actually help you look better and age better. And a lot of uh, brands will call out marketing ingredients, meaning if you go to their website, it'll say it has, let's say green tea cleanser, for an example, 
and you look at the key ingredients, key ingredients on the tab, it'll say green tea, it'll say like something pretty, some sort of a flower. And then you have to dig a little bit and you look for full ingredient listing. And when you look at that listing, it's very transparent what's in the product. And that's not really talked about. So it, basically it's the first five ingredients roughly are the most percentage. It's 1% and above of what's in that skincare product or hair care product or food. And the rest goes down in percentage. So if green tea is at like toward the end and you bought this green tea cleanser, there's not a lot of regulation on naming it that, you know, and also it goes into my new product launch, which has the condition media of human stem cell condition media, there are brands that just say stem cell serum. And you assume, but you look a little deeper and it's just an apple extract. They're calling an apple stem cell or it's an orchid stem cell. So it's very misleading. Then we can also go into medical grade, clinical grade. There's so much marketing misinformation in the US particularly that it's, and you've got people online who are influencers giving you their advice and, and they're not estheticians. And, and you've got doctors launching skincare brands that just are using capitalizing on that they're a doctor. And they're, they have really don't know anything about skincare ingredients or how it reacts to the skin. But because they're a doctor, white coat syndrome, they, can, they know they can cash in and make a lot of money putting their doctor name on a label. So it's just a lot of navigation for the consumer. And uh, I try my best to do social posts and, and try and give information from my experience being an esthetician for almost 30 years. I have a million questions about this because I... <laughs> I know I just gave you a lot of stuff to, to jump on. <laughs> I, I, I want to I I have 50 follow-up questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the first thing I wanted to ask you, one of the first things you said was, a key ingredient list versus a full ingredient list. So mm -hmm. where does somebody find this when they're looking for a product, number one? And then number two, is there anything mandating brands from including both key and full ingredient lists on labels or on packaging today? Yes, they are required to put it on their outer packaging, which most people open and throw away, that outer box, the carton, but they're not required on their website. So if I find a brand that if I go to this brand and I hear they're amazing, whether they're an expert, whether they're an esthetician or a doctor, and I look, or there's just a regular brand, if I can't find any drop down on their website with their products with full ingredient lists, I think they're trying to hide something. So I won't shop or, or purchase from them. They'll just do a key ingredient drop down. So they're not required yet. I hope they change that legislation where they have to put the full ingredient listing on the website, which is where everyone's shopping and looking and reading. We're just throwing away the box and we've already purchased it, really. Of course. So this is super interesting because if I think of my experience going and buying male skincare products, so much of the packaging influences my decision. Right? Mm -hmm. Does the packaging look yeah. high quality? Does it look clean? Is it a polished branding? Sometimes I look at the ingredients and I know that there's three or four things that I should look out for to yeah. not have in those products, right? But I'm probably in the 80% uh, of smarter buyers because I've heard about this so much, but I can imagine most people have no clue on how to discern a good product from a bad product when the branding is compelling on both sides. So how can a buyer today get educated and informed about making these decisions? I just want them to think about 
their money, actually. It's like they're putting out average $80 for a product, and I want them to know what's in it. A lot of money, it's easy to walk into a store and see beautiful branding and packaging and listen to a salesperson say, oh, this is amazing. And they could be getting perks from the brand, who knows? But it's more than that. I want them to say, great, uh, and listen to them, but then also do their own research and turn around and say, especially when they, I've walked into stores before, which was really fun back in the day, I'd walk into a store and say, can I see your clean beauty section or give me, can you tell me a clean beauty product? And, and they would walk over to the most, like the opposite of clean and just give me this BS answer of why this is clean. And I would turn it around in front of them. They wouldn't know who I was. I would say, but wait, it has silicones. It has this propylene glycol, polysorbate 80. Really? And like I would like put it in their face and they were just like, so it's just, you have to just not listen to everything that you hear and you have to just do your own research. And the only research that the key, the roadmap is that full ingredient list. So there are words you're not going to know. And the words that, that don't make sense, you need to Google and, and find out what they are. You need to look at websites and it's mainly just the first five. Those are the ones you need to figure out what they are. And when you go and buy a retinol, for example, you're not just buying a retinol. That's an ingredient. That's a vitamin A derivative in a retinol. So people think if they purchase a retinol, that it's like this one amazing ingredient, but it's actually the formula. So what are they putting with the retinol? That's just an ingredient. So if they have things that will irritate your skin with that retinol, then that's not the best product for you. And retinol, a true retinol is they say a light yellow in color. There's brands that will use this sort of a palm extract that is yellow by nature, and they'll put that in to where you think it's more potent of a retinol because it's turned yellow another way. So there's just so many ways you can trick the customer. And I don't know if it's on purpose or if, you know, I don't know what to say, but it's just something that people need to really look at. And all of the answers are on that full ingredient list. And if the brand doesn't um, list it on their site, this is what I do. There are retailers that do. For example, if there's a brand sold in Sephora, and if you go to their website and they will not put their full ingredient uh, drop down, I will go right to Sephora and Sephora is mandates it. So I can find the full ingredient listing on sephora.com. And I think Derm Store requires as well. So there are some retailers that require it, which I respect. How does a brand make a decision for what makes it in the key ingredient list versus a full ingredient list? Is it about quantity? Okay, so the brand makes a decision on what is in the key ingredient list by what the consumer wants to hear. Um, if there's a hot so it has button, nothing to do with composition or quantity of each of those ingredients in the product. It's just a mar it's marketing. In a way. Yeah, it's total marketing. It's, hey, let's highlight these products. Let's let the guy who's really in a hurry look and see that it has whatever it is, some sort of an extract that that is so hot right now. And, and it's just a key ingredient, which is something they want to highlight to entice you, which is great. They have it in the product, but you just need to know how much is in it. And like I said, they can even name it that, and there can be very little in it. There's no regulation. So you've worked with people that live off the way they look, right? With artists, <laughs> with actors, with personalities and celebrities. Do you find that these individuals have a different set of requirements when they come and talk to you? No, because yes and no. I work on, I still give facials, which I think is important. I do that 20% of my time. I run my skincare line as the founder with my husband and co-CEO the rest of the time. But I want to keep my foot, uh, my toes giving facials because I need to stay connected to my customer. And I love giving facials. So I, I work on CEOs. I work on regular people and I work on a lot of celebrities and 
what I find is my celebrities tend to be a little more insecure because you're right, they're relying on their face. It's really important. It's a part of their business. But they all have the same concerns. And that is just to look their best and almost this type of perfection to have great skin. So I think it's pretty common, the same concerns. When you, I assume the statistician came first, brand came second, given the timing. So how did you make a decision to move into making products? It's a very different, it's a different, very different process, very different skill set. So what prompted you to, to go into that type of adventure? I got my license in aesthetics. I took a trip to Paris, fell in love with facials. That was what, like 29 years ago. And I was in business school. So I was in a program to get my MBA. And so I love business. I love marketing. But I also stumbled in Paris upon facials and basically just changed my whole career path. I came back to where I was living in Carmel and walked near this Yonka Paris Training Institute, which is this huge French brand, really the first botanical gorgeous brand. It's still big today. And I just walked in and said, I want to work at your front desk. So I dropped out of business school to become an esthetician, which wow. my dad was not happy about at the time. And I did go back and finish my degree. But it is a departure because when you're giving facials, it's almost meditative. It's so soothing. It's almost like a psychologist. So it was a hard transition when I first launched my brand because my husband's my business partner and he would be texting me business things in the middle of the massage or the facial. And I would look down and see it and be like, okay, don't look at the phone. So it was a real transition from CEO to facialist, which is a soothing facialist. It just, now it just, it feeds itself. Like I go in and give the best facial and I want to do the best for them. I become inspired by them to go and do product development. We're doing weekly meetings with my chemist and I take formula classes now at UCLA in cosmetic chemistry. So it all just is this 360. It all works together now. I have the rhythm basically now. I didn't before. It was hard. <laughs> How do you make a decision on what to go with first? I ask this question a lot. A lot of the brands, and especially the more indie beauty brands we work with, they um, tend to launch one core product and then expand from there over time. Um, what was your thought process to launch you know, your core product, your core set of products? Yeah. When I first launched seven years ago, I didn't launch with one product I, because I'm an esthetician. What I launched with, which is interesting, I launched with four products and a rose wow. quartz roller seven years ago. So that was like a facial because I was right. using jade rollers in the facial. And so the four products and the roller. And I would go to New York to do press. And the editor was like from Allure, Diana Mazzoni. Was she Allure? Anyway, I think in style at the time. She said, I want to write about the roller. And I was like, wow, that's weird. She wants to write about the roller. So she wrote about the roller and then the roller just took off. So then everyone wrote about the roller and I became known for the roller and then I did more rose quartz. So I started off as a facialist brand. I didn't want to launch with one product. In retrospect, maybe I should have because economically it makes sense. But I wanted to be the facialist brand and launch with a tool and my products. And, and since then, I've curated some of the, the products a little bit and pulled a lot back on the tools. And two months ago, we just launched our first hero skew. It's almost like a relaunch of the brand. Right. And it's biotech. It's beyond innovative. And it's healthy for the skin. And we're first to market. And it's in a luxury co collection, which is new for me. It's called the Cellular Collection. And the product is called Cell Forte. And it's a bestseller at Violet Gray. And our sales have gone up a thousand percent. 
with this one SKU. So I almost did do a relaunch, but it, it works. It plays well with my other products, but it's, it's a new category and it's biotech and it's, what does yeah, it mean? it's huge. What does it what mean when you, say it's, when you say it's biotech and it's a cellular product? What, what does that mean? Um, yeah, it's biotechnology. It's it's using biology and technology. So we we have something so innovative, and it goes back to my philosophy of don't disrupt your skin barrier. That's crazy. That is your largest organ. Would you put it, things like this on your liver or your heart? No. But in terms of aging, we don't live in a bubble. We go outside, and there's sun, and there's pollution, and there's elements. So all of these brands, the retinols, the vitamin Cs, and the peel pads, everything you think an esthetician would tell you to do... I say, because that is going to really disrupt your barrier. And yes, you can try skin cycling. That's fine. But that's not the solution. The solution is to create a product that never sensitizes your barrier, but also delivers actives that your skin reacts with to help reduce pigmentation, reduce the look of fine lines and brighten your skin. So we think we've cracked the code. And by all accounts, the reviews on our website, the repurchase rate, the just the excitement over this serum and how it's sold out upon launch. And we're delivering something that makes me feel really good to women and men. It's a unisex product where we're not sensitizing the barrier, but we're giving better results, in my opinion, than retinol or vitamin C or peel pads. You convinced me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Men love I'm, it I'm too. Getting it. I'm getting it. So I want to get to, to, I want to ask you a few questions about uh, men and how that's evolved yeah. over the years. But go before ahead. I go there, so educate us on the, what does it mean, the skin barrier? How does it work? How does it get damaged? How does yeah. product get applied or gets through it yeah. if you want to use different things? Give us the 101. Your skin barrier or your lipid barrier is your outermost layer of skin. So that's between you and the environment. That's the epidermis, the top layer. And when you use products that like retinols or vitamin Cs or just a laser even or prescription tretinoin. And it's, there's downtime and that's not helpful for your skin. And how do you know if your skin, is, your skin barrier is damaged? If you look in the mirror or if you come in to get a facial with me or someone else and you're like, hey, I have sensitive skin, be careful. And I'll look at you and be like, oh my God, this person does not naturally have sensitive skin. It's sensitized from the products they're using. So if it's dry and tight if it's flaky, if there's a redness to it, if it reacts and has bumps to other products and it's just a mess and you're always trying to fix it, that could be from the toner, which isn't really a toner. It's an acid peel that they're selling as a toner, which is you're using morning and night and stripping your barrier. So it's stripping all the lipids, all the natural oils, which is what your barrier needs to be hydrated, healthy, and moisturized. It's incredible. I, nobody really talks about that. Like what products act on the, again, the, your skin barrier versus damage it versus getting to the lower like layers of your skin. I feel like I, I've heard this term in the past, but it's definitely not a term that brands perhaps use to, to help us consumers make decisions about what types of products to use and also whether this product is for us or it's not. That, that's a so, good point. Or, or they try to, and it just seems like a PR push. They're selling all sorts of stripping things. And then they're like, oh, here's a moisturizer that's great for your barrier. It's, Wait, but the rest of your line is really stripping. So you really don't care about my barrier. Why? Or that's not a, a smart way to do it. Why doesn't every product... And I try to have balanced formulas. It's almost like 
making a cocktail or something or a wine, it, it's balanced. So it's, for example, I have an elderberry bakuchiol serum, which is a retinol alternative, but I added, I spiked it with a little glycolic. So it's not like a harsh peel I'm selling you to do at home. I'm giving you gradual exfoliation with a hint of glycolic in the elderberry bakuchiol. So it's like a balanced formula which is a concept that I believe in and I create with my chemist. I love the fact that this is so thoughtful. It's a very yeah. different type of conversation that you normally have about a more generic set of products, right? The, the, the conversation tends to be on other areas that are more marketing surface-based. And I feel like what so many of us have been missing is this more scientific-backed explanation as to why you should certain products and why you should consider certain ingredients based on what your needs are. Um, I almost wish that I had some sort of app or some sort of platform that would tell me this is what your skin is to the detail. And these mm -hmm. are the products that you should be looking at. These are the products or the ingredients that you should not touch. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I like the way you said thoughtful, because I've thought about that before. Instead of clean beauty, it's like thoughtful beauty. Right. It's just really thinking about what's good for you. And that's why I keep giving facials to, I, I actually care for my clients and that means as a founder and a manufacturer and a person who creates products, I actually care for that consumer. I know her. So it's a little different than someone else who's never really in contact and starts a brand and just says, let's make those numbers, let's sell. It's, it's a lot more satisfying, especially now with this new launch that keeps selling out. And it makes me feel so good getting those reviews. It's, it's so incredibly satisfying to, to be a founder. There's something to be said about staying close to the ground when you're building mm -hmm. a company and when you're building products, right? If you lose touch yeah. of who your customer is and what they care about, eventually mm -hmm. what you're doing is just marketing. Yes. You're not, yes. You're not building for your customer. You're building what you want to build, and then hopefully you can sell it to them. Which is a good point. A lot of, I find, skincare brands that are like in Sephora or doing well, their former marketing directors from other brands or their former PR from other brands, or their former writer. It's just, it, it sits differently when you've got a marketing person who starts a brand. And then they go and get their aesthetic license in six months and say they're an esthetician. It's just like, there's things out there that are just cringy for me. Right. They're selling, they're making product, but it's just the authenticity and the thoughtfulness. I wonder if it's there, maybe it is, I don't know. You have the capacity to see through that. And so to you, you hear those terms and obviously this means this and this means that, right? To the rest of us, yeah. it's almost sometimes we, we got to do a little bit more to get informed. But I wanted to, to switch gears real quick, you know, take an opportunity to ask you a little bit about the evolution of skincare for men. And yeah. some of your clients, as you mentioned, are men. I'm sure some celebrities, some are not. How do you feel that's changed over your career? How mm -hmm. men think about skincare? What are what did they care about before versus what they care about now? And how is the industry for male skincare developing at the moment? That's another great question. Now, I've been an esthetician for 30 years, and I know the market. I've been in stores selling, blah, blah, blah. The sad part is it hasn't changed much for wow. men. Maybe a younger demographic. It, it hasn't enough. Like, they still think they're feminine if they put moisturizer on. Like, it, it should have changed, in my opinion, a lot faster and better and it hasn't. So we're still working on that. And there are brands, there's one that just went out of business, something disco is a men's brand that folded. And wow. they owed so much money, they didn't do well, but they got a lot of money to start it. And it was a, a male skincare brand and it it just didn't register. That's what the founder said, which is sad. 
but it's hard to create a men's skincare line because I think it's not good because it's actually separating them. Initially, I thought, oh yeah, a men's skincare line, that makes sense. They'll feel comfortable, they'll buy it. But I want to bring it together and bridge it together. So this new Cell Forte serum is unisex, meaning the packaging is black, gold, like any guy would feel comfortable with it. And my other box had pink on it. So I wanted to make sure this is very masculine as well. Because I think the only way to get men to really use skincare is not to do a men's brand. Because I I just, I I don't think they're going to keep up with it. I think women need to encourage their husbands and their partners to use it. So I think Mm. they should share. So I, my clients are buying this, the, the souffle moisturizer, which is also, my packaging is all black for the, the primary. So it's very male friendly. They're telling me their partners or their husbands are using it, which is music to my ears because they're getting encouragement from their spouse or their girlfriend. I've heard that Leonardo DiCaprio likes my souffle moisturizer. I've also, yeah, so I've heard these things because they're getting it from the woman. So I think she has to be instrumental and not separate a men's skincare line. I think lines need to be very unisex, and I think they can be. And you might say, what about the conditions of skin? They're different. Men's skin is different, blah, blah, blah. There's not. There's plenty of uh, women that have, I would say, manly skin, meaning they have a lot of sebaceous activity, thicker skin, which is more of a, a masculine skin. So you can be unisex. And I think that's the only way we're ever going to build the market more. I have so many, I completely agree with you. And I have so many thoughts as someone that, that tries to do, as a heterosexual male, tries to like mm-hmm. take care of these and moisturize and take care of my skin. Yes, it makes but a difference. You guys are so much better. It's it like, makes a difference. <laughs> and I got to tell you, so, so several things here. The first one is I could not agree more that the girlfriend, the partner, the wife, it is a great proxy for us to take care yes. of our skin. I always ended up stealing moisturizers yeah. from my girlfriends and my skincare products like face washes and things like that because um, I just didn't have the patience or desire to go and find and learn about this stuff. Yeah. And I think the second thing is this speaks to a very clear difference where men are very lazy around this yeah. or very pragmatic. I, I just want... Yes. I want to go to a website and I want that website to tell me exactly what I need to buy to make the bundle for me and just click buy. And I literally forget about it for the next six months. It just sits on my counter. I use it every day. You never have to think about it. And that's why I did the Cell Forte Serum, which I just launched, which keeps selling out. It's an eight in one, which is perfect for men. It's not heavy and it has different levels of hyaluronic acid. So when they put it in, it immediately hydrates and it goes right into skin and it has stem cell conditioned media, which is natural exosomes and growth factors and peptides. And it's just got all of these anti-aging properties and it's transforming, but it goes right into the skin. It's one application. You don't need a retinol. You don't need a vitamin C. You don't need a hyaluronic. It's just everything in that bottle. If you need a moisturizer, put it on. A lot of men don't need a moisturizer. They need a hydrating serum if they had a lot of sebaceous activity. So yeah, it's got to be easy. It's got to be simple. So what do you think? Do you think the unlock for someone to come and build that billion dollar male skincare brand is really a female skincare brand that builds those unisex products that can be gifted or or bought by proxy for for men? Yes, because I think they don't want to use it because they don't want to feel feminine to their spouse. Oh, no. Even my own husband, for example, who was my business partner, it's going to kill me, but he invested part of his retirement to start this company. 
And he, I thought, we're in the business. He works 24-7. He doesn't really apply the skincare to his face. And I'm like, honey, he's getting dry. He's 52. He's gorgeous skin, but he's getting drier and a little red. And I'm like, honey, why don't you put the souffle moisturizer on or the cell forte? And he's like, you put it on. And I'm like, what, because I'm a facialist? Like, I put it on for you? <laughs> but I'm like, really? And can't you put it on? I've given like, that like, answer more times than I can think. I'm like, why are you asking that? It's just, really? You feel like feminine if you put it on your own face? So they need encouragement from women. So it's us. Yeah. And when they put it on, like one day I was with him and I looked at him. I'm like, you put on the cell forte today, didn't you? And I could see the difference. He's like, yeah, I did. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I can tell you look hydrated, looks healthy. So I just think it's up to us to make you feel that this is like brushing your teeth. It's like working out. Just take care of your body, your health, your skin. Absolutely. It's just, it is one, it's one more thing you got to do. It's yeah, we take care of your health. Take Help care, you like, along. Your, your health sort of encompasses everything. Um, mm -hmm. Angela, it's been so great to have you. Just as one last parting question. What is next for you? What is next for you? What's next for the business? Thank you. Yeah, exciting times. We are, we just received, we are a small self-funded company. We just received an, uh, our first lead investor investment from the former CEO of Sephora, which was really confirming and felt great. And we're seeking more investment and we're going to be opening our own freestanding Angela Kalia Institutes on both coasts, having my own facilities and really creating more skincare, which is so fun. We're really already in development for other products with our proprietary. It's a bio MSC, which is bio and MSC for the mesenchymal stem cells. So this new skincare innovation of biotech, which is the heart of our new collection, we're going to be expanding with more products. And again, there'll be unisex and they work. And that's the beauty. They actually work. <laughs> so that's the future is just creating more skincare that works and creating touch points for customers to go in and experience the kind of experience I want them to have at a spa. I'm really excited. I'm going to go and try it. You've, <laughs> you've convinced me. <laughs> Aww, thank you. It's AngelaCalia.com. The G is silent like lasagna. <laughs> Amazing. Angela, thank you so much for joining today. This has been such a masterclass. Um, Aww, thank thank you. you for answering all my basic questions. About they this. were great questions, by the way. So thank you. <laughs> Amazing. We'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.